Hi there. You're listening to Married to the Ministry, which is part of the Love Worth Finding Podcast Network. If you are a pastor's wife looking for encouragement or for practical wisdom on how to manage all the challenges of your role with a smile on your face, we're so glad you're here. This is your host, Janet Addison, and I'd like to help you embrace truth and delight in your ministry life. I've just made some yummy hot tea, so why don't you grab a cup and let's chat for a while. Well, hello, friend. Thanks so much for joining me again today for this episode of Married to the Ministry. And I am very excited about my special guest today. Her name is Bretta Cochran. Hello, Bretta. Hello. Thanks for joining us today. So Bretta is married to Keith. Tell me how long y'all been married. Mm, we've been married for 27 years. And tell us where y'all are serving in ministry right now. All right. We are in Tupelo, Mississippi. So West Jackson Street Baptist Church in Tupelo, which is named for the street that it is on. Mm-hmm. And we've been here for 10 years and it is the sweetest. It's just a wonderful church. We are well loved. It's It's been a good first senior pastor church for sure. What's one of your favorite things about being a pastor's wife or, you know, a blessing that you've experienced in this in this ministry life journey y'all are on? Yes. I think the biggest blessing is that I get to do ministry with him. So it's not his job and his ministry and his church and his people, but it's ours. Mm. And so I've enjoyed being able to go to work with him or go to a trip with him or go to um, a call with him, either to the hospital or to the funeral home or whatever. I like doing things with him and not feeling like he's always leaving and I can't be a part of that. And then, of course, the church just loves on you. They they want to cook you food occasionally. They want a gift card. <laughs> We've been out to eat many times and our bill's been covered. Like those yeah. things are fun. And I know I've gotten to go on some trips just because he is the pastor and they want him to go on these trips. So I get to tag along when I can. And I love that. There, there's lots of blessings to being a pastor's wife. Yeah, there are. How did you learn how to be a pastor's wife? Did you have a ministry wife that mentored you or what did that look like for you figuring out how to do this? Well, thank goodness. Thank goodness. It was gradual for me. So when we started, you know, I didn't have to be up front at all when he did recreation. We first got married. I actually was a very timid teenager. So I'm a totally different person now. So God had to kind of <laughs> do that gradually with me. And I'm a big reader. So I'm going to say I read tons of pastor's books, like probably all of them. I know I haven't, but it seems like it. I have quite the selection of pastor-wise books. Um, I've done different conferences. So you've kind of grown into that role, I guess, as as you've matured as a wife and as pastor's wife, I guess. And Yes. So I didn't become a head pastor's wife until my 40s. So that helped. That helped. I would not have done it well in my 20s. But because we gradually changed positions and changed churches, and I got to know how different. So I was under several staff wives, uh, pastors wives, and I would watch them. I would watch how they worshipped. I would watch how they parented their children. Okay, that is really intimidating <laughs> as, as the one who might be watched. Right, right. I was a big observer. And it's hard even now knowing that people do watch me. 
it's hard not to get insecure about that because then why am I doing what I'm doing? It, you know, to keep your heart pure and not, I don't want to appear over spiritual or that I have it all together. It is a big pressure, but I'm a people watcher. My grandmother was a people watcher. So I guess I inherited that. But I, I did. I, I had many pastor's wives that I sat under and tried to befriend each of them, not to suck them dry, but I did want to learn from them. And I did see what I liked and what I didn't like. So again, God, God did it very gradually for me. So I'm very, very grateful. Well, what, um, you know, have you had any struggles or challenges in ministry life or has it just all been <laughs> fairy tale wonderful every single day? God is so good. We have had our struggles and I guess the number one one is that we have moved often and it's hard to move. It's hard to uproot everything, especially mm -hmm. when you have children. Mm -hmm. And I know that my kids have not had a normal childhood. They have not been able to have roots until this last stint of 10 years has made a big difference. But it's hard on, on your family. It's hard to see your kids suffer, to be insecure about going into that new classroom or that sure. new situation, not knowing anybody. And you're having to say, like, you've got to be involved with this. Like, you're the pastor's kid. You can't not go to youth group or you can't not do this or you need to go to camp. But yet letting them be their person too. Mm -hmm. That was hard. And then the financial struggles of just moving. Like, I can't tell you how many mini blinds we bought, how many ceiling fans we bought, you know? Oh my goodness. So yes. When I look at our money situation, I'm like, we should have more money than what we have. But then I look back and say, we bought <laughs> it 10 It costs homes, a lot you know? of money it to does. move. It and, does cost a lot of money. And you don't and until, always make money when you sell Until them. recently, you did not make money. <laughs> so yeah. That is, that is a huge issue. You're right. Earlier, we were talking about, you know, just kind of exploring where we might want to go. And you talked about the struggle of, you mentioned a minute ago that you were a nurse. So tell us a little bit about your career and, and how that has um, affected, you know, your family life and, um, and your ministry. So when I was a child, I was consumed with wanting to be a wife and a mother, like, probably too consumed with that. That was my goal. So I chose a career that would, I thought would make me a better wife and a better mother. And that was being a nurse. So the childhood home that I grew up in, where my mom still lives to this day, she had a nurse uh, neighbor straight across the street from the front of her house and straight across the street from her driveway. And I loved those women. I thought they were the smartest women on the street. Everybody came to them for wisdom and counsel and look at this and what I do about that. And I just wanted to be like them. So one of those ladies took me to her hospital, which is not even in existence anymore. When I was 16 years old, candy stripers, I was a candy striper. So some people may not know what that means, but <laughs> I just volunteered at a hospital and they put me in labor and delivery. And so this hospital was so small, they didn't deliver a whole lot of babies. And I never got to see a baby delivered, which probably was good at 16, but <laughs> I was there and I was hearing the doctors and I was seeing the patients come in and I was just soaking it in. And I decided at 16 years old that I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse. So at the end of nursing school, I was able to get a job in surgery and I kind of got comfortable there. So when nursing school was over, I just stayed where I was. I had already learned a lot of the things that I needed to know for that. So I did that until I married Keith. So I left surgery and went to a heart floor and cried every day going to work because I hated it so, so much. But that was when God moved us the first time. So I only had to do that for six months. 
And then we went to Florida for the first time. We went to Merritt Island, Florida. I finally got my uh, nursing license for Florida and a dermatologist in the church hired me. So we would work Monday through Thursday and then half day Friday. And he was a believer and a member of our church and needed a surgery nurse. So I, I always laugh. God always goes before. He knows that I need extra help. So mm-hmm. he he knew which jobs I would need to have. And so the surgery was very beneficial for me in that dermatology because in Florida, there was lots of skin cancers. And so we were doing oh, lots of yeah. surgeries every day. So he was just tickled that I could help that him you, and hand him instruments. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I did that until uh, one month out of having Allie. I did not want to be a working mother when I had okay, my first. So one. she's your, okay, your first. She's one. my so firstborn. Is, okay. So I quit work th- then and I stayed off for about five years. And in nursing, that's the maximum amount you can be off until you lose your license. Oh, then you have so, to start over with all So, you know, that. I had to work hard for my license and I didn't want to lose them. And, but during those times when my kids were super little, I just worked one day a week to keep it up. And then that one day a week became two days a week. And then that two days a week became four days a week. And then it just kind of gradually increased. And then when my oldest turned 16 and thought that she wanted to enter the world of driving, (laughs) I realized that I had to go back to work full time. So I've been working full time for nine years now. My work experience has always either been part-time or things that, you know, freelance writing and stuff at home. I do know when we moved to Arkansas, when we came to our first church, that there was really nothing that I could do in that town where we lived. You know, I wasn't qualified to, to do much there. And what I was qualified for, there were no jobs there. So that's got to be a really tough part of being in the ministry and having a career that, you know, you lose tenure when you move and you you don't get uh, the shifts that you would want, I would imagine, and the whole licensing complications you're talking about. That's really got to be a struggle, especially if you are trying to build a career and, you know, move up the ladder. I, I had not thought of that because that wasn't my work history. But yeah, I will never be able to reach retirement because I have changed so much that I'll never, I mean, I would be super old and I don't (laughs) want to be, I don't want to be nursing when I'm super old. So I'll never, I'll never get to that point, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. But it's just money. It's just money. It comes and it goes. That's right. That's right. But it, uh, that's another level of sacrifice that you've made from a professional standpoint, to be obedient to the Lord's leading and to support your husband in ministry. And that probably does not get recognized very much as, you know, that, that that's a big deal. I just want to say hats off to you because <laughs> I know that's hard to, to start over. In it is place. hard to start over, especially when you're older and you're having, having sure. to start over. Sure. Because you're competing with all the mm-hmm. new grads probably and yes. things like that. Yeah, actually when I first went back full time, I had to start at the bottom. So it was the night shift. So here I am at 4041 doing the night shift with all the young grads. Mm-hmm. And we had to do seven twelves in a row. Oh wow. So you did seven twelves in a row and then you were off seven twelves in a row. But it would take, you know, two, three days to get back from mm-hmm. day sleeping to night sleeping. So it was rough on my body, like 
a little bitterness crept in at that time of my life. But also I, I made a little more money working night shifts. So we desperately needed that. And then um, I did have those seven days off that I could do a little bit more ministry. So I had I had that opening there, but I couldn't do anything consistent. And then Keith was pretty adamant that he did not want me coming to church every other week. So he said, if you could just get to church on Sunday mornings, I'm fine with this. Because I'd wanted to work a little bit more before, but he just felt like I just love to sleep. And he just didn't think I could handle it. But the problem is, is the seven-day stretch started on Thursday night. So you went from Thursday night to the next Wednesday morning. So when Sunday morning came, I had already worked Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And then you'd so, stay up and go to church. So I was a zombie when, yeah, because I would get off about 6.15 and then church would start about 9.15. So I literally would find myself getting a little bitter at his preaching. I would I would be critical, like nobody else is having to do this. I one time woke myself up about halfway between the pew and face planting into the carpet. Like I was just <laughs> so tired and his jokes were not funny. And I felt like he was super wordy. He did fine every other week, but those weeks, you know, I was over it. So the Lord had to do a, a good work in, in me just to get me to accept that. And it was just a season. I did that for about 15 months. And then I did get to go to labor and delivery after that. So God did show me that, that he would, you know, make that dream come true. And that was so wonderful. Well, did you like it better this time around? Uh, I liked it <laughs> way better, but it was still very, very stressful. And it was still the night shift. But yes, I loved delivering babies, but it it's just, it's a lot. It is a lot. Well, how old were your girls when you were doing all that night night work? 16, 14, and 12. Okay. Which is like the busiest season mm -hmm. of mothering. Well, when their hearts would break, you know, it's going to be in the, when you talk to your kids, it's usually at bedtime when they're ready yeah. to open up. And, you and I just wasn't that. there half, half of that time. I missed half of a lot of, of every month, basically on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Cause when you would work for 12 hours and then you would sleep for eight or so, and then mm -hmm. they would be doing mm -hmm. their activities and things. It was, it was difficult. Mm -hmm. And how did your church family, did you feel any pressure from them or criticism from them or? So Tupelo is a pretty small town. I guess you would say it was a medium city, but our church is a mainly blue collar church and most of the women work. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to say 80% of our women work. There's very few stay at home moms. So it was almost expected that I would work. That doesn't bother a single soul, I don't think. There are some people that say, I wish you didn't have to work so you could do this or come here or be part of this, especially my senior adults. We love to hang out with the senior adult team. <laughs> and I miss a lot because, so they'll make comments like, I wish you could do this or go here. And I just I just can't do it all. I miss funerals. I miss coffees. Like, I, I, I don't have time to do any of that kind of stuff. So that part, that part's kind of negative, but no, I don't, I think it was just kind of an expectation of why wouldn't I work since most mm -hmm. of our women do. Mm -hmm. Well, and I've been in a situation before where I didn't and a lot of them did. And I, I don't think they were critical of me, but I kind of felt like I was bucking the mold maybe. And, um, uh, Kind well, of, I think you become a little bit unrelatable when you live a completely different lifestyle than your people. Yes. Yes, that's true. How did you 
come to, I mean, you mentioned you had a little bit of bitterness about some of that and, you know, how does, uh, how did God bring you through that or what did you, how'd you finally, I mean, can you, can you be happy about that now? Are you still wishing that didn't, wasn't part of your role right now? Well, obviously I wish I did not have to work full time right now because I do miss out on a lot of ministry and I am stretched thin. So, uh, one day I was working and the nursing supervisor came around and she said, Hey, do you know anybody that wants an eight to five job? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm finally working my dream. I'd actually made it to day shift. So I just days, or I was about to make it to day shift. Like I knew it was coming, but it hadn't quite started because she was a night shift nursing supervisor. And I said, no, I really don't, but tell me about the job and I'll see if there's anybody interested. And she said, well, my cousin runs our uh, juvenile detention center. And he's looking for a nurse. It's a new position. They've never had a full-time nurse. They've had part-time nurses there, but they need a full-time nurse there. And he just sits, asked if I could possibly find him a good nurse. So just keep your eyes open, ears open. So I went home and told my husband about this job. Now, let me back up and say, Keith, when we first came, was asked to be the chaplain of our sheriff's department. So he had been doing that for a couple of years, getting to know the deputies and getting to know our sheriff and started getting quite a good friendship with our sheriff. So when I told him about that, he got super excited. So I talked to the jail administrator and just, it, it sounded intriguing. The schedule was wonderful. The pay was way less. So I'm like, Keith, are you sure? Sure we can do this. And he said, I really, really want you to pray about this. I really want you to be more active in ministry and not miss, because I was missing every other Wednesday night. I was missing every other, like there, I couldn't do all the women's things. Like I was just not present in a lot of ministry. And basically half the month, I wasn't even a mom because my days were filled with sleep and work. So he just said, you know, this, this is just, this is hard on everybody. So I left my labor and delivery job, which was fine. I was ready. God, God always makes you ready. When he wants to move you, he just makes you ready, I think. So I was ready. So I, five years ago, I went to work at the JDC, which is the Juvenile Detention Center, taking care of 10 to 18-year-olds. So I learned a lot about the world, about mental illness, about dysfunctional families, things that I kind of had lived in a bubble being a minister's wife and I had gone to private school and a little bitty nursing school. So I, I hadn't and experienced you only hung a lot out of with church people and I only hung out <laughs> with church people. So I know why God sent me to jail. I tell people I had a lot to learn and just to, to be able to know more about things. And so I did that and the adult jail nurse, we worked very close hand in hand and then she decided to quit. So they, um, they, they asked me to go to the adult jail. So I was at the JDC, I guess two to three years. And now I've been, or maybe less than that, because I think I'm about to be three years at the adult jail. So that's what I do now. It's still a lot. I'm on call 24 seven. I don't have to go in, but I have to be available on the phone call to answer questions and determine who needs to go to the ER and who doesn't, who needs to take this and who needs to take that, what's approved, what's not approved. So it's still a lot, but I do have some downtime in my day. Some days are super busy. Some days aren't. So it's, it's kind of, it, it's, it's a much less stressful job, but it's still, I still would prefer to be home. I still would prefer to be able to do things. I can't really get involved in a lot of people's lives. I just don't have the time or the energy to do it. And right. I feel like. I'm sure that's an emotional. I it mean, is. Emotionally it's, exhausted. Yes. It's not like filing and 
you know, answering the phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking is... care of about 200 people. Okay. And is that men and women or just women? Men and women. Okay. Men and women. Mm-hmm. And all of their families who constantly call and request this or chew you out for that or, you know, things like that. So. Now, how much do you have op- much opportunity to share your faith with the the residents of the facility or are you pretty limited in the kind of conversations you can have with them? So it all depends on the inmate. Our sheriff is a, a, a devout believer. So I do have a lot of freedom to say whatever I want to say. And he's going to back me up in that. And he's really straightforward in his faith. A lot of them know that I'm a pastor's wife. So that does give me the freedom where they will ask me questions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or say all of them like to read the Bible. Like 80% of people in jail read the Bible. They, I don't know what it is. It's like when they go to jail, they want to find Jesus and they get out of jail and they forget to take them with them. It's, it's, it's the strangest things, but I do, I do try to talk about my faith. I do try to stand up for things, but it's, it's segments or snippets. I don't get to do, you know, it's it's jail, not prison. So my people are in and out pretty quickly. So unless they're waiting on a trial that takes several months. So I don't I don't have that long time investment like a nurse of a prison that would kind of get to know your people over a long period of time. But you're still doing ministry and you're still showing compassion to people and I mean there's a lot of uh there's a lot of ministry in what you're doing. It might not be to the women in your church, you know, as much as you want, but think of all the opportunities that, that God is, you know, all the people that are coming through your, your area at work, you know, that you wouldn't have normally intersected yeah. with. Okay. Well, it sounds like your job is at least interesting and. Yes. Every and, day is different. It's yeah. very interesting. Mm-hmm. It re- I really do enjoy it. It is, I don't want to work, but if I have to work, I'm right exactly where I want to be. And I know a lot of, of women would probably echo that sentiment. Um, I have one of my best friends has struggled for years with, she wanted to be home. She didn't want to be working, but oh my goodness, she is a phenomenal teacher. And I think of all the lives she's impacted mm-hmm. over the years in the classroom. And I got to say, I don't know. I think God has you there for that reason. Yeah. Well, I remember when our money was so tight and I would just beg and beg God to provide for us. And a friend, another ministry friend that was real close with Keith, he he did not know my heart's cry. He did not know, you know, they were kind of going through the same struggles because we kind of co-pastored, him and Keith kind of co-pastored side by side. But I remember him telling his wife that sometimes God provides by sending the wife <laughs> to work. You know, we don't always have to depend on everybody else working so hard and giving us money. Maybe it's time that, that we, we do that too. And that just resonated with me. And I thought, you know what, I do have my nursing diploma. I do have the ability to make some money and to help with this. Why do I, why do I have to just, I can help. So that's part of the reason I just had the freedom. Cause you know, there for a while, I would say eighties and nineties, it was kind of looked down upon for wives to work, you know, you're supposed to in depend on circles. your husband yeah, in some, some circles. circles. And, and so it, it kind of took me a minute to get out of well, that, it was kind that mentality. Of a, it was almost a status symbol to be a stay at home mom in, in some, in some ways, you know, well, you know, which, which is very hard, especially in a church 
situation or a Sunday school class or whatever when some of them don't have the luxury of not working and it, it can be a dividing line the whole well I think uh, I have a dear friend that's a single mom and we were talking she's actually now my JDC nurse so we work together a lot so I was telling her about this podcast and I'm like tell me just help me think about what are the (laughs) pros and cons of you know being a full-time worker and she said I love that you work full-time I love that you live the life that we live that you're not just sitting at home and you know when you hear that women stay at home you have this picture of what they do all day and they're I know that the days that I stayed at home, I did waste some time for sure. I read a ton. So, but there were lots of things that I I did and and was busy doing. And so, but you have a picture, you know, the grass is always greener on that other side. But in reality, both are very much hard workers. But the fact that she said that you're the pastor's wife and that you're working an eight to five job every single day, like the rest of us and living life and having your struggles with your children or with your, you know, with different things in life. She said, it just makes you more relatable and I will listen to you because I can relate with you. It's well, not and that's like your authentic way of living out your faith. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to depend on the Lord to, to do all that, just like she's having to depend on the Lord to be a single mom. I mean, that's, that is a powerful, you know, you're talking about watching other pastor's wives earlier. And I mean, there's, definitely somebody watching you and how you are boots on the ground being a real Christian woman, you know, with Mm -hmm. an authentic faith that you're living out in the workplace. Yeah. But they also say when you're tired and you lose your temper and you're not patient and you're not compassionate and very human. People see the real you sometimes. It's not always pretty, but they do. Okay. Well, how about uh, something the Lord's been teaching you lately? In all your (laughs) spare time to spend with him while you're busy. Yeah. I do have my quiet time every morning. I'm addicted to that. My mother started that. Like she required that of us when we were little, me and my sister. And when we came to the breakfast table, we kind of had to give her a brief synopsis of what we were doing. (laughs) So I'm glad that that did not turn my heart against it. It really didn't. It just set up a pattern. It set up. Good for her. She did. She did. She would buy, you know, for Christmas, we would get new devotionals or or things like that. And so I, I, I have been having a quiet time pretty consistently since I was quite, quite young. So I, I have the most, most godly mother. She's just incredible. So I do like to have my quiet times in the morning. And that does consist of Bible reading and prayer. I try to pray on my way to work. So, you know, after COVID, we, and when the housing market blew up, we sold our house and we bought 18 acres so we have always been city folk, always, always, never. I don't know, know a thing about country living, but do we you decided have that chickens? That's, I have goats. Okay, goats. I do not have chickens. I have four little girl goats, and I'm loving every bit of it. I planted my first garden this year, so I've had some squash and zucchini and some cucumber. So now, if you were to say, if God said you could quit work, what would you want to do? I think I'd want to be. Of course, I would want to do more ministry, but I think I'd want to be a farmer. I think I want pigs and cows and more goats and bigger gardens. I don't know. I've just had a blast this past this past year and just seeing how God's just, it's just been neat. But I know I got off your subject of what has the Lord been teaching me. So the Lord has been teaching me that he meets our needs daily. So when I want to look and panic over college expenses and we're wanting to build a home. So looking at 
the building price is going way far up. Yeah, every my day. My car, mm-hmm. every day. So it's a little scared to think about that. My car, I finally got a new car after 17 years. So the expenses of getting a car note, um, I would love to say I'm a Dave Ramsey person, but <laughs> we have not been able to do that. But we've we've done good. We've always paid our bills, but I do have a car note and a house note and all those things. Um, so Most anyway, of us it, do. The expenses of money can kind of overwhelm my spirit and kind of drag me down. And, you know, it's easy to look. I can look back and see how the Lord took care of every phase of our lives. And then this phase, it's just, you know, you're looking at my retire. Our retirement age is around the corner and we're nowhere near ready to retire. And some of that is because of all the moves that we had. So I tell the Lord, Lord, we're in this position because we were obedient to you. You've got to take care of us. And he just reminds me, I take care of you every day. Mm-hmm. Your bills are paid every day. You're fed every day. Your kids are upon every day. That's what the Lord's Prayer says. Give us your daily bread. And so to take the stress of that is that. And then I have also not been a very good mama when it came to the driving season. I have a little bit, a lot of anxiety concerning safety. Well, working and in the medical I, field, I'm sure I think you've so. Seen I think stuff. I've seen a lot. Yeah. And my first cousin years ago was killed real suddenly in a car accident. And I, I just can't get over that fear. And so I have to confess that over and over. And I just hear him say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? So my kids' safety and then the COVID, the help thing, that was terrifying. And just, again, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And then just them growing up and staying faithful to the Lord. It's a lot of stress to know that your kids could rebel. It doesn't matter what kind of parent you are. They got to stand before the Lord and give an account. And I'm not responsible for their spirituality. I'm not responsible for their happiness. I'm not responsible for their obedience. I will pray like crazy. I will love them like crazy. And I will encourage them like crazy. And thank goodness my girls have not gone through a season of rebellion. But I always fear what, what about if a person comes into their lives that will pull them away or, or what if that man comes that they fall in love with and he's not the man of God. And then I, I just hear God say, I took care of you. I provided for you and I will I'll do, I will them. do the same for them. I'm going to say you, you've shared some really wonderful things and I appreciate your honesty. And, you know, a lot of people feel the same feelings you've talked about and experienced this too. And so thank you so much for taking the time to to share part of your story that can encourage other people. I'm very grateful. Well, thank you for asking me. And before we close, I'm going to say that today's episode of Married to the Ministry is sponsored by a sermon series that you can find on the Love Worth Finding website or app. And I remember, I don't know, Bretta, if you were at Bellevue when Dr. Rogers preached on a perfect 10 for homes that win, and it was a series on the Ten Commandments that applied to family life. And I remember how good that was. Today's episode is sponsored by that sermon series, and I will put a a link for that in the show notes. So thank y'all for listening today and for staying with us. And Bretta, thank you again. I just, it will make me happy thinking of you going to jail every day, as you say, y'all like to joke about. (laughs) Yeah, my husband always says, I get to go to church every day while Bretta goes to jail every day. Oh, that's funny. Passion for to get a reputation. That's right. That's right. At least it let me out at the end of the day. That's all that matters. Yes. Well, ladies, thank you for listening. And until we...